You're listening to the Technology for Mindfulness podcast, episode 39, hosted by me, Robert Plotkin. Today I'm going to be speaking with Kelly Reese, a former CEO turned life coach who's on a mission to motivate, empower, and inspire courageous women to navigate resistance and uncertainty. Kelly is an author and certified leadership coach who specializes in navigating the unknown abyss that can come with career and relationship transitions. You can find out more about Kelly at K-E-L-L-I-R-E-E-S-E.com. That's kellyreese.com. We're extremely pleased to welcome Kelly Reese to the Technology for Mindfulness podcast. In the upcoming interview with Kelly Reese, you'll hear Kelly talk about how when she gets distracted or sucked into use of technology, she often will step away from her desk, go lay down in a hammock, take a walk or do something else to break her out of that loop. I'd like to today for our tip to expand on this just slightly and suggest that you pick an activity in advance that you're going to decide to engage in when you notice that you're getting sucked into use of social media, distracted by technology, feeling stressed out by technology, or when you notice that you're just doing anything with technology that doesn't feel good or that you'd rather not be doing. When I suggest that you pick this in advance, uh, it's so that you don't leave it up to yourself in that moment when you're feeling out of balance to decide what action you're going to take. Because in that moment, at least I found, I am less likely to make the best decision about what to do. So if I wake up in the morning instead and say, when I notice today that I am compulsively checking email, I will stand up and take a walk for a minute or move away from my desk at least and close my eyes. And I will focus in the morning on setting my intention to take that action so that when the time comes five hours later, let's say, and I notice that I'm sucked into email, I will already have decided what action I'm going to take and I can just stand up and walk away from my desk for a minute. And the action you decide on can be anything. The important thing for this tip is that you pick the action in advance. And I would suggest that it involve uh, moving your body and moving away from the technology in some way to engage in an action that doesn't involve using technology. But what it is can be anything you decide. I hope that you find it helpful. Give it a shot, see how it works, and let us know. And I hope you enjoy the upcoming interview with Kelly Reese. Hi, Kelly, and welcome to the Technology for Mindfulness podcast. Hi, Robert. Thanks for having me. I would like to start off with something that I think a lot of our of our listeners would be interested in learning about from your your personal and professional experience, which is that uh, 
You left the job as a CEO uh, to move to the middle of the jungle and <laughs> live and work from there. I wonder if you could start with uh, the why of that and then tell people a little bit about the how, you know, how you make it work uh, personally and from a technology perspective, you know, and how you how you stay focused and, and productive and maybe some of the challenges that you deal with uh, so that people can relate it to their own experience, even if they're not it, literally in the jungle. <laughs> okay. Yeah, some people are in their own jungle, concrete That's jungle, right. but this is literally the jungle. Uh, I live in Tulum, Mexico, which uh, for the geographically challenged is on the uh, Yucatan Peninsula. So I live on the Caribbean. Uh, it's kind of across from Cuba, about 90 minutes south of Cancun. And, um, yes, I walked away from a six figure job at the time. I didn't know I was going to move to Tulum, uh, about six weeks after I left the job, a friend contacted me and said, do you want to go to Tulum? And I said, yes. And I didn't know where Tulum was. <laughs> so I figured <laughs> I better find out where I'm going. And so yeah. we went, uh, a few weeks later, we ended up going to Tulum and I came here for eight days and, as I was leaving, if I, if I could have convinced them to dump me, I had, we were with a couple other friends to dump me on the side of the highway and just leave me here. I would have like that. The feeling with the calling to be here was that strong. Uh, What was was it? It it was what, yeah. What can you put into words about what that, that pull was? It's um, Tulum is a very spiritual place. It uh, the energy here is it's a very feminine energy, but it's also the type of energy that uh, and I talk about this a lot. (laughs) It's the type of energy that puts all of your stuff right in your face and uh, requires you to grow. And I love that energy because um, I'm all about growth and I really love pushing myself to learn more about how I function, what's going on in my body, my brain. And it really, um, some people move here and, you know, they're drawn here. And then it's just like, oh my God, I can't stay here because the energy of of that constant energy of allowing you to, um, to see yourself in a different way. And it's just, it's very prevalent. And I always say Tulum provides, but it doesn't always provide exactly what you think it will. (laughs) It's the kind of place where you think, um, oh, I'm going to manifest a place to live in the jungle. And then like three days later, the place comes up for you. You know, it's, it's that kind of energy. And you just think to yourself, oh, I'm thinking about this. And then a, a day later, an hour later, there it is. It's an incredible energy to live in, but it's also, uh, you, it's kind of like riding the wave and not controlling everything, just being available to go on, go on, go through the process of what it's providing. Yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, I didn't make the same kind of move as you, but we, we moved to a fairly rural area in Massachusetts a few years ago. We're still pretty close to cities and that kind of thing. But our closest neighbor is a half a mile from us. You know, uh, it, it, it does uh, present that experience of being. Uh, with yourself, um, you know, having grown up and lived most of my life in cities, then moving here, it made me realize in a city, it's very easy to avoid yourself uh, <laughs> if you want to. <laughs> yeah. Or it's actually the, the default is to avoid having to confront and just be present with yourself. And th- that's the opposite here. It's been a very uh, interesting experience. I don't know if that's part of you know, what you're talking about. Yeah, in a sense, it is. The city's in your face in a different way. 
you know, living in a foreign country for me has been, there's been challenges. You asked about challenges. Uh, for sure, Mexico in general has challenges uh, just in its, it's uh, you know, it's a third world country. There's a lot of poverty here. And, um, and while Tulum recycles overall, there's, um, there's just things growing up in California that I don't experience as readily as I did uh, living in the U.S. You know, my access to food is different. Um, mm-hmm. I have an incredible support system here. There's actually a lot of uh, single women traveling through Tulum and living here. I have an incredible support network, um, but most of them are expats, you know, people who've come from somewhere else. And, um, and Tulum is growing really quickly. So the energy is shifting and changing, um, which is hard to see because that means that they're, it's growing in a way that it's not sustainable, in my opinion, because there's a mm. lot of, of the jungle that's being uh, taken down in order to put up uh, Shishi boutique hotels, <laughs> essentially. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, and you are running your business. You haven't moved there to, to retire or to stop working. Can you talk about some of the challenges and maybe benefits of that and how it's different for you and you know, maybe any lessons you think uh, other people who you know, are, aren't living in the jungle could, could learn uh, from it or apply into their own lives? Yeah, sure. I work online and uh, I do life coaching and readings for people. And so people find me through uh, very interesting ways. I don't do a lot of marketing or advertising, but um, people will find me, you know, they will have a dream about the Akashic Records because that's what I do is I do readings for the, of the Akashic Records. And then they'll open Instagram and that will, my profile will be there and it says Akashic Records. And then they'll contact me and say, I had a dream last night about the Akashic Records. I've never heard of this. And so it's interesting for me to see how people find me uh, because I feel more disconnected (laughs) than I ever have living in the jungle. Um, And I have a a strong meditation practice. So I feel more connected to myself, but less connected to the rest of everyone else. So um, it's interesting how people find me and, and I love it now. It's one of the questions, the first questions I ask people <laughs> if, if they haven't sent me a message in that way. Um, and so for me, it's just, uh, I find myself, uh, with this feeling that, um, the, un- the internet has connected me in ways I never thought possible so that I can go anywhere that I want. I actually spend time, um, I, I spend a few months here in Tulum and then I travel, which I love. And so mm-hmm. it's given me an opportunity to feel more free than I ever have in my life. I'm not tied to a desk anywhere. My desk is wherever I, if I want to go and take my computer down to the beach. I can work from there. Mm -hmm. You know, the internet is here and that is one of the factors I have to take into account when I'm traveling as well as my internet connection, just because that's how I meet with clients. But, uh, I have found that traveling and even in Mexico, I have better internet than I had when I was living in the Redwood forest back in Northern California, (laughs) which seems a little crazy to me, (laughs) but it's true. Uh, I wonder what that experience, what that experience is like, let's say the difference between what it's like to be working from your home in the jungle on the internet, 
interacting with people versus traveling around and doing it. I don't know if there's a certain sense of feeling ungrounded when you're traveling or do you have ways to keep yourself grounded you know while working online and and traveling around into such different environments yes i love traveling so that works in my favor um i'm the kind of person that uh, i love exploring internally and externally so it goes really well together but I definitely take things with me when I travel that help me feel as if I'm home. So I have um, the same tea that I always drink out of the same cup. I always bring that with me. I bring crystals and incense and then I meditate every single day. And that's really what keeps me grounded is, is my meditation practice. No matter what, if, if I'm sitting anywhere in a hotel room, if I've, you know, found a rooftop or wherever I am, um, sometimes I'm in the yoga room in San Francisco airport, <laughs> even for 10 minutes, you know, just grabbing. I was there, I was flying through there on Sunday and I, I went and just popped into the, to the yoga room for 10 minutes. You know, that makes a huge difference for centering, for centering me. And I use, um, there's a couple of meditation apps I use too. And so the familiarity of those voices that are on those apps and the background music, and I use um, white noise and uh, binaural beats. So all those things really help to keep me centered because they're familiar. I don't change things up. Yeah. So there's a, there's a certain aspect of your experience that you're keeping constant and regular while your external environment is changing yes. so much. Yeah, I burn the same incense. Um, I have I set up my crystals when I go into hotel rooms. So for me, those are the things that really keep me grounded uh, when I'm traveling. Because I want to travel. I love traveling. I love getting out and seeing things. And part of me is a little uh, afraid to travel by myself. So that's how I know, like, oh, I'm meant to do this. <laughs> kind of gauge my <laughs> gauge my path on the level of fear and, and if it's barf worthy or not if I feel like oh this is kind of making me feel sick then I really think oh I should probably pay attention to this so I'm going to keep going forward <laughs> <laughs> and I wonder what, what other suggestions you might have if any for other people who are I know the term digital nomad is, is out there mm -hmm. now uh, I you know there may not be a lot of people who have as as diverse an experience as you traveling from place to place. But what what would you suggest to people? And there are many of, of us now who find ourselves traveling a lot, working online from different places, and you know how how else to stay grounded, centered, focused while while just moving so much, and while the pace of change and demands on us are are so high. You know, I th I definitely feel that. Uh, Starting the day, getting centered will, will carry you throughout your day. But even in those moments where if I'm sitting in an airplane seat, I will close my eyes and just take those few minutes to go internal and, and check in to my breath. I use my breath a lot, uh, just in my daily life. You know, if I, if I'm starting to feel uneasy or cause I, I pick up on everything, <laughs> just energetically, I feel a lot. So when I travel, which is why Home is really important to me, like where I stay and where I put down, you know, my computer for 
a month. Uh, it, it has to feel right to me. I'm, I'm not the, I'm the person who will pick up and, and leave and go to two different places to make sure that I feel mm. right in a space. And if you don't feel, uh, if you don't feel good where you are, that's huge. And don't be afraid to, uh, you know, oh, I rented this Airbnb, but it just isn't right. Something's wrong, then move. Be the woman who makes the, mm-hmm. or the man who makes those decisions. And mostly men are easier to make those decisions, I think. But some women are like, well, I made the commitment. <laughs> and the people that I work with, it's yeah. like, no, be the woman who decides this is not right. I'm going to move. And that's what I had to realize, too, is that I, I'm, I am that woman. It's okay to say this is not right and find the place that is. Yeah, and the first step is just even becoming aware yourself that it's yes. not right, which I think many of us <laughs> might might you know mindlessly <laughs> feel agitated or uncomfortable, and yet not have a full awareness of what's behind it or causing yes. it. Yeah, and and because of my my practices, because of my meditation practice, because I'm so connected, I know when something feels out of alignment for me, and that's when I feel that shift. That's when I check in and. I ask myself, is this coming from someone else? Is this coming from where I am? Is this coming from me? What is this? And so I can get clear on what it is and then uh, make choices based on what I'm feeling and the information that I'm getting. I know that one of the things you uh, specialize in and advise people on uh, is various kinds of transitions, whether it be a career transitions or relationship transitions. I think the travel we talked about is is maybe a smaller scale type of transition that people might engage in frequently. But, you know, in our lives today, we tend to have, I think, uh, more of these bigger life transitions more frequently than people did in the past. People change entire careers uh, more frequently than before. Could you talk a little bit to people about, you know, the work that you do on transitions and, and you know, h- how you help people through them? Yes, uh, I would love to. So in my books, I write about a place I call the void, and that is the place between uh, what was and what will be. So it's that, you know, one door has closed and another one has yet to open. And in between is this this dark abyss that, you know, people are afraid to step into it because it's the unknown and you have no idea what's going to happen out there. Uh, so I call that place the void. And the thing that people don't realize is that when you're in indecision, when you're standing at the you know doorway, the precipice and thinking, hmm, is this the right job? Am I in the right relationship? Should I move? You're questioning all these things. Am I happy? You're actually in the indecision. You're in mm. the void. So my my work with people is you're already there, so move forward so you can see why you're asking these questions. And it's it's normal to ask questions randomly here and there, like, oh, is this the right place? But when they're pounding questions that are repeating over and over and over again, there's a reason why. I call them the inconvenient questions <laughs> because we don't often want to answer them. Uh, because we're afraid of what the answer is going to be. Like, what are we going to find on the other side? When I work uh, with people on their relationships, you know, they go to the end the, and they're, and what their mind is telling them is going to happen at, if they step into the void and, and answer some of the questions is, oh, it's, it's the worst mm-hmm. possible scenario. 
And, and I remind them that I have many clients who actually end up staying in their relationships and their, and their relationships improve beyond anything they could have ever imagined. But they had to move forward and step into the void and ask themselves these questions and answer them in a way that they're not listening to their mind, but they're actually listening to their heart and soul because they're asking the questions for a reason. When people are in that void and are in what you called indecision, uh, I would suspect that a big part of what keeps them back is fear. Uh, maybe some of it is is not knowing what questions to ask, which is more of an intellectual problem than than an emotional one. Could you talk a little bit about uh, more what, what is it that that keeps people there or holds them back, and how do you help people? both emotionally and, and logically get through and move forward past that place of indecision. Yes, you're a hundred percent right. It's, it's fear. 99.9% .9 of the time fear is what's stopping people from moving forward. Uh, and it's fear of the unknown. They just don't know what's out there. They don't realize that once you step forward and, and begin to listen to where it is you're being guided, there's, it's, it's like a light comes on in that hallway in the void. And uh, the longer you stay in the indecision, the more painful it can be. And I know this because I've, I'm, I'm an expert in the void because I've been there so many times. I, and I did not do it very well many, many years. <laughs> you know, I white knuckled it through. It's like, and, and everything was okay on the other side, but it doesn't have to be this uh, torturous place that we go through. <laughs> In order to get to the other side, everything we want on the other side of fear, but in the void. And it's like, and, and people are just paralyzed at times to step forward. And I understand it so well because it's so real. And, you know, your mind is telling you every possible thing that uh, will go wrong, every possible outcome that is uh, not positive. And it's hard to decipher what's real between your mind and trust in what you can't see because your mind mm -hmm. believes, wants you to believe that it knows and, uh, and it doesn't know, but without, uh, without, with you staying in the indecision, that's where the mind and the ego has, has an identity. Um, when we get out in the unknown, it's, uh, it has less, uh, less power over us because we are living more in alignment with, uh, what's happening rather rather than controlling everything it's kind of like oh you don't have to have everything figured out that's what i've learned um which is really freeing and extremely hard to uh trust and live in it takes a lot of patience um and so yeah sometimes people don't know the questions they just have this feeling this like feeling of um heaviness you know, their heart feels heavy or they just know that there's got to be something more than where they are. You know, it's like, oh, there has to be more than this. Like sometimes mm -hmm. it's just that they're not asking specific questions, um, but they certainly feel that this isn't how it's meant to be, you know. And so that's what can lead to asking more questions. When I left my job, um, so many incredible things happened. I went to Tulum and then I came back. I opened another business. I started my coaching business. I wrote my book and it, all these incredible things were happening. And halfway through writing my first book, I was still feeling that heavy feeling. And so what I did was I sat in meditation. I just asked, you know, I tapped in and just said, what is this? And instantly I heard relationship. 
I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew exactly, I knew it was right. And I knew I had to look at it, but oh, I just didn't, I was like, no, everything is so great. But I wanted to enjoy everything. I wanted to um, feel free in all of the amazing stuff that was happening, but there was that heavy underlying tone uh, to everything. And so I had to follow what that was. And for me, that led to um, the breakup of my of my marriage, which hasn't been this terrible thing that my mind wants to tell me it was. You know, it, we have a great relationship. We're still really good friends. We vacation with all of our friends together. And um, it didn't have to be the typical, you know, what people see as a dissolution of a, of a relationship or a marriage. Um, but yeah, if, if you're feeling that, that heaviness, that's, that's the, the beginning of the questions. And so we have the power to affect change in our lives as much as we have the power to uh, choose different paths. And you can choose something that isn't the negative path. You know, um, it takes two for sure. I have an incredible um, ex-partner, <laughs> ex-husband who uh, is willing and um, and that's important. You know, I realize how lucky I am and fortunate I am, but I have clients who, who stay with their partners and their relationships, they change because the person that I'm working with has changed. You can't change right. another person. There's, there's just, there's no way. <laughs> it just doesn't work like that. You can only change yourself and how you think about things and how you show up. And so that's what I really work on people with. The Relationship Roadmap is my second book. And really the relationship, I, I talk all about my own relationship and I relate it back to how people can move through the process of, of putting the focus on, on themselves. And so the relationship roadmap is really the relationship with yourself. And I used to hear people say the relationship with yourself is the most important relationship. And I would want to grow up. <laughs> <laughs> <was> like, oh. <laughs> One, I didn't understand what they were talking about. Then I was like, oh, they're full of it. They have no idea what they're talking about. And until I learned, you know, until I understood that, oh my gosh, it is so true. And until I could really show up for myself, I had a really hard time showing up for anything else, even relationships. It's, you know, it's interesting. Um, well, one is clear, clear relationship to mindfulness practice in which we, we pay, draw our attention inward uh, to ourselves. Um, but you know, I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about the importance of focusing on yourself in a relationship. I mean, many people may, may already be familiar with this or do it. But you know, I think if you ask a lot of people uh, to tell them, tell you about what's wrong in their relationship, talk about problems probably nine out of 10 will focus on the other person and what's wrong with them. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know, it's not, not as common for people to say, oh, here's all the things that are wrong with the relationship and start talking about what they're doing to contribute to the problems. So, you know, can you talk about why this is true and, and why it's helpful, uh, even though it might be a bit counterintuitive to people or not what they do naturally? 
Yes, I can definitely talk about that. Uh, I had all the reasons why things were not feeling great in the relationship. And a lot of them had to do with what was wrong with my husband. (laughs) So I do know that uh, very well. And because of my mindfulness practice, because of my willingness to grow on my spiritual path and grow as a human here, living here, you know, on this planet, I really took the time to focus the energy back on myself. And that's when I realized, oh, I have a choice here. You know, I could see all those things that were going on with him. And lo and behold, they were actually things that were there when we met, you know, and I just thought, oh, those will change. They'll get better. I'll get used to it. All these things that you tell yourself because you love the person and the energy that my husband and I had, it was great. It's, it's why we're still friends today because we laugh a lot. We have a great time, but I had to find within myself, do these other, this list of other things, does it matter? Is it, is it, you know, a deal breaker kind of thing? And for me, it was, and we had conversations about like, here's what I need. And, you know, he even said, it's, um, I'm fearful that I can't provide that for you. And I, I said to him, I write about this in the book too. And I said to him, well, maybe that's the kind of fear you're supposed to push through, you know, me being the change Mm -hmm. person. (laughs) And, and he said, maybe, but I just, you know, I, I'm not on a spiritual path. I'm not going to meditate with you. I'm not going to do yoga. And it was like, I didn't need him to necessarily do those, those actual practices with me, but I did want us to feel like we were growing on a path together. And it felt like we were growing apart. The further that I got on my own spiritual path and my path of mindfulness, the more I started to realize what mattered to me and what was important to me. And I hadn't really given myself the opportunity to listen to my needs or what it was that I wanted in a relationship. And that was even the relationship with myself. Uh, You know, I never imagined when I walked away from my job that I'd be living alone in Mexico, uh, deep in the jungle. (laughs) And, um, and what I've discovered from that is that, um, I, I don't necessarily need a relationship. It'd be wonderful to have someone in my life who I was growing with, but the relationship with myself is so strong that I'm actually, I'm extremely happy and grounded and I love my life. And um, it's something for me that I never allowed myself to experience uh, because I was scared. I was scared to be on my own, you know, 20 years ago. And so when I met my husband, he, he, he checked a lot of the boxes. You know, we have this list that many of us create, <laughs> the man we want to attract or the people, the woman we want to attract and call in. And, you know, when I looked back at that list, cause I still had it, it was like, I wasn't the same person who wrote that list 17 years right. ago. And that list doesn't get modified. You know, it's, it, you, don't, you don't update it. And um, so it doesn't grow with you. And, but hopefully your partner is growing with you and that wasn't happening. But it sounds like, I mean, you did through meditation and perhaps other ways of exploring yourself that you, you did update the list. You know, it is, it is possible, <laughs> even though many people don't do it or they, you know, unconsciously maintain the same list over time, even, even while they're changing. And you're pointing out that it is possible to, to keep up. I know we're calling it a list, a bit tongue in cheek, you know, which mm-hmm. maybe it's <laughs> yes. oversimplified. But, you know, you, if you don't 
pay attention to yourself and, and focus on that, you probably won't ever uh, be, be aware of that, that your own list has changed. Yes. And I looked for a man, the other person in my life, no matter if I was in my teens, 20s, 30s, it didn't matter. I got married in my early 30s. You know, I looked for a person to fill holes in me that I thought I never knew that I was meant to fill those holes, you know? And so I constantly looked outside of myself for, um, for those things that I felt were missing within me. And it was never anyone's responsibility to, um, to fill those pockets of missing pieces for mm -hmm. me. And, and it's impossible. Actually, it's not anyone else's responsibility to do that. And so once I started filling those spaces, it was like, Oh, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> And so, you know, that's what, that's what I gained through my mindfulness practice and through um, just getting more in touch with who I am and what my desires are and what I wanted. You know, it's what prompted me. It's what gave me the permission to, for myself to say, you don't have to live in the U.S. You can go where it's warm and you can live on the Caribbean and live in Mexico. I love Mexico. I've been traveling this country for 20 plus years. Um, with the idea that I was going to find a place in Mexico that I could put down some roots and live. Um, and so when I came to Tulum, I was like, oh, I could live there. You know? But none of, the, and none of that would have happened if I hadn't uh, been in touch with what I wanted and given myself permission to um, follow my heart, basically. Yeah, and, and recognize who you were at that time, which yeah, the person from 20 years ago might not have wanted to or been open to living there. Right. Uh, you know, it, I wonder if you could say a little bit more, and I don't want you to give away everything that's in, in your upcoming book, uh, but, you know, th this um, way of being um, in a relationship uh, in which it sounds like you're, you are focused on very much understanding yourself and not, as you said, looking to someone else to fill holes or gaps in who you are. You know, in this other, let's call it, um, self-aware, I don't know if you have a term for this, uh, self-focused way of being, then what is the role of relationship with others? And I'll just step back and say, I know there's somewhat of an ongoing conversation about mindfulness in the West. I've heard some people be critical of it, saying that it can have the tendency of causing people to become self-absorbed or narcissistic if they take it too far, in a sense, uh, by focusing so much on themselves that it can detract from healthy way of relating to other people. I don't necessarily agree with that, but I understand the risk of it if mindfulness is either taught or practiced or received in a certain way. Uh, I wonder if you can speak to that, particularly as it relates to relationships. Yes. And there's a lot of different meditation practices. So um, there's people learning all different forms of meditation and practicing different forms. Uh, for me, I, I just do what feels good. <laughs> so, um, I, the apps I use, I, I enjoy the, the people who are doing the presentations on the apps. And so, um, you know, and there's a lot of questioning spirituality in general, especially in the U S um, you can find anything on the internet to back what it is your, your mind is telling you, <laughs> um, which I've noticed. And so you have to go with what feels right to you. Uh, so I'll start with that. What I really write about is 
showing up as your whole self. And that means that you're not looking to someone else to provide something for you that it's not their responsibility to provide. Um, so for me, the, a relationship is, is the relationship I want to have is about um, expansion and growth and growing together on a spiritual path. That's not everybody's idea of the relation, the ideal relationship that they want. Um, but I've been on my path on this path for 20 plus years. And, um, it's something that's really important to me. And I, and I, and I don't, um, I don't see that changing and I'm open to, um, to what comes. And, uh, I know that it's probably not going to look exactly as I plan. So I try not to plan anything. I'm just in this moment today (laughs) in this conversation and I'm happy today. You know, it doesn't mean I don't get upset or bad things don't happen. It's just that I don't stay, uh, I don't stay in like worry or concern or any of those, uh, of that energy for very long. I pivot pretty easily because for me, even in the challenging stuff, I can always find a silver lining. Like I always say, I can find a silver lining in a pile of poop. <laughs> like it's just, I'm, I've been that I'm pretty optimistic about stuff. Um, but I'm also realistic, you know, um, things are great. So I, but things happen, you know, your car breaks down you get a flat tire, all those kind of things. But I try not to let those those things become negative things. It's like, oh, maybe I'm supposed to meet this person who's coming to help me with this tire, you know, whatever. <laughs> but for me, relationship is about is really about growing as a person. And you can do that really well in relationships because a lot of times stuff's coming up for you um, as an individual. And we all come to relationships with wounds and a lot of them have nothing to do with the person you're with. You know, and so relationships are somewhat about healing, but also um, helping me flourish and grow. Yeah, that's awesome. I wonder if we can turn to uh, a somewhat different topic, but somewhat related. You talked about relationship to yourself, relationship to people, including a spouse. Maybe we can talk a little bit about relation to technology, mm-hmm. uh, you know, which can often feel like a living thing in our lives. And, you know, you have an interesting life experience in that you, you're, you're in the jungle, but you're also very connected to technology. You know, we're using it right now. And our listeners may not know, we've had a few technological glitches in the conversation. It <laughs> <laughs> uh, so always, always uh, keeps things interesting. I wonder if you can talk about you know, how, how you've related to technology and continue to, uh, how you deal with challenges of it in your business and then how you, you help use it to maybe help you be more connected with people and then how you integrate the times in your life, which must be many given where you're living when you're not directly using technology, you know, how you integrate that into your life. Sure. Um, yeah, so I am online every, almost every day. I, I don't work Friday through Sunday and I try to, <laughs> I try really hard <laughs> not to check in. Um, but sometimes I do. And, uh, sometimes clients are, you know, they need a little, a little conversation and that's totally fine. Um, and I try to, <laughs> I say try to, (laughs) I try to uh, have a cutoff time for social media in the evening. 
um, 7.30 or 8. And I, I have found that at times I feel addicted to social media <laughs> and yeah. to the connection that I um, didn't have with my friends and my family and just this amount of information that's coming in at all times. Um, you know, I've noticed that when my phone beeps or, you know, you have little notification things, I turn off as many notifications as I can and I leave my phone on silent almost all day. So, um, I don't have a great cell phone coverage and I don't, I'm not a phone talker, so I don't get a lot of phone calls, but I text like a crazy woman. And so, um, I have to pull myself away through noticing that it's becoming too much. Um, and I, and that is something that I, I work on daily because I find that I can be pulled away and distracted very easily. And uh, I even put something, I put a, an, an app through Chrome on my desktop that um, helps you with Facebook. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and I had that on there for a while. And then I eventually I said, you know what, I can, I can do this on my own. (laughs) And so I did, and I'm hardly on Facebook on my, on my computer at all. I really, um, I try to do blocks of time where I focus on whatever project it is I'm working on and try to see that through for a solid amount of time, um, without, without getting distracted. But yeah, my focus can get pulled fairly easily. Um, and so what I do is sometimes if I find myself getting my focus pulled, I will go out and take a walk or I will, um, I will just, I'll go out on the, I have a, like a porch swing, not necessarily a porch, but I have a swing. Um, and so I'll go and I'll just sit there or I'll take a few minutes and I'll climb in the hammock and just swing back and forth. I'll do, I'll get my body moving and get out from in front of the screen. Um, because I spend so much time there. Uh, I've noticed too my body posture. And so I, I will check in with my body as well and make sure that, you know, that forward movement, that hunching forward, that I'm drawing my shoulders back and down. And it just, it takes a lot of awareness because I, I can get sucked in pretty easily and um, I can stay there for hours. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I often, I hear people ask, how can I get more focused or less distracted? Uh, of course, it's a good goal. But one thing I hear you saying is that even if you're easily distracted, if you can notice that you've been distracted, yes, uh, that can be a big help. Uh, maybe more so than than trying to work on being less easily distractible. That, that may or may not be something you can change about yourself, right. uh, but you can change the ability to notice it when it occurs and then act on that. Yeah, you were talking about living, the difference between living in the, a rural country and the city. It's, um, you know, I didn't move to Mexico to live outside of Tulum in the deep jungle um, so that I could be distracted by, you know, beeping phones and, and right. being super stimulated by social media and texts and all the things that are happening in our daily lives. And a lot of times we're desensitized to the amount of uh, stimulation that's coming through uh, through our phones and through the computer. And so I've really had to become more aware of how much uh, time I'm spending. And like right now I I limit when my client calls are to Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And I actually, um, 
I won't take more than two or three calls a day so that I get off the computer and I have an hour between calls. And so I, I set up my schedule to provide uh, time for myself to disconnect. Yes. Yeah, it's a really great suggestion. I think a lot of people uh, maybe have that fear that they of what will happen if they try to exercise that kind of control over their schedule or think that they can't do it. You know, I, I do it myself. And I remember when I first started doing this, I work as a lawyer, I have clients. I remember having all of these fears. Clients will fire me. They'll be upset. They won't stand for it, you know, and then realized, uh, actually 99% of the time, it's not an issue for me to say I'm only available at these times. I don't think most people actually think anything of it. No, uh, <laughs> it was me and my own fear, uh, yes. you know, that, that, that was stopping me, not, uh, actual reality. Yes. Yeah. And we have information overload. I mean, I, I'm, I'm fortunate here. I don't have a television. I, I rarely watch TV these days. Um, and I don't have, um, the phone ringing, like I said, uh, and, and there, but I still notice the distractions, you know, it's, it makes it easier for me to notice because some people I work with have the TV on in the background, you know, and, and it's on right. CNN or news and it's like, oh my goodness, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. let's turn that off and do music, you know, um, and I, I'll play soft music in the background, which helps me, um, I burn candles, um, but, you know, Technology is um, incredible because it affords me, it allows me to have the life that I have. So um, I don't, I don't, I, I'm grateful for it. I don't take it for granted, but I also know that um, I have a limit. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm just curious for our listeners. Uh, I use Leech Block, which is available as a plugin for all the web browsers. It basically lets you tell it. I only want to be able to spend 15 minutes during work hours on the following sites. And it's very configurable in that way. Um, I have YouTube in there. For me, it's also news. Mm -hmm. <laughs> A lot of news sites I put in there. And I think I've got it set up for only 15 minutes of that time during my, my business hours. And the other thing, <laughs> which I'll, I'll, it's a bit of an embarrassing admission, but I've set it up to be very difficult to disable. And it has that ability in it where you have to type some, I don't know, 60 character randomly generated string of characters, I think, to turn it off. So if you get that temptation to turn it off, uh, it it introduces a lot of friction. Mm. So the thinking is by the time, you know, halfway through typing that uh, <laughs> that string of characters, I would be likely to notice that I'm doing something that's, you know, not what I really want to do. And I think that's a big problem with a lot of technology today. It's specifically designed to eliminate any friction between our initial impulse and the ability to act on it. Yeah. Uh, you know, which is very powerful, but um, makes it all the more important to do what you're talking about, which is develop through meditation and maybe other practices, that ability to notice what you're doing. Um, because all of us are susceptible to acting in ways uh, that may not be what we want to do. Uh, if we if our sole focus is on trying to stop ourselves from doing that in the first place, 
I think we're setting ourselves up for failure. Mm -hmm. If we can at least notice that we've done it uh, and get better at noticing maybe more frequently or more quickly, that that's a strategy that may be more likely to succeed. I wonder if you can uh, let people know if they want to learn more about you, um, your work, uh, coaching people uh, on relationships and transitions and, and business. Uh, where can they find you and where can they get in touch with you and learn more about you? People can reach me uh, on my website is a great place. It's Kelly Reese kellywithanai.com and that's where they can find my books and find out about readings and working with me. Um, and then I have an Instagram account that is um, very engaging. Lots of engaged people. I, I contact, um, I, I chat with people all the time on Instagram and I love Instagram. I prefer that over Facebook because I get sucked into Facebook <laughs> pretty easily. So um, that's dot. R-E-E-S-E is the account there. Um, so they can follow me on Facebook and that's how we can communicate, even direct message me there if, if interested. Well, fantastic. Thanks so much for the really wide ranging discussion about working remotely, traveling, life, career, personal relationship transitions. I really enjoyed the conversation, Kelly. Thanks for being on the Technology for Mindfulness podcast. Thank you for having me. It was, it was my pleasure. Thanks for joining us for this Technology for Mindfulness podcast with me, Robert Plotkin, and today's guest, Kelly Reese, an author, certified leadership coach, and former CEO, now turned practical psychic, who helps people to navigate resistance and uncertainty in their lives. You can find out more about Kelly at her website, kellyreese.com. That's K-E-L-L-I-R-E-E-S-E.com. If you liked today's episode, please leave us a review on iTunes and share the episode with your friends. Those and all other links are in the show notes. And check out our blog at technologyformindfulness.com for information and tips about science, technology, and mindfulness. And sign up for our online Tap Into Mindfulness course for helping you to take control of your smartphone at bit.ly slash tap into mindfulness. I'm Robert Plotkin, and I'll join you next time on the Technology for Mindfulness podcast with Patricia Lowen, a coach, healer, and feng shui expert. We'll talk about how to detox your business, unstick your beliefs, and declutter your busy mind.